talking about make room. And here's what I'm excited about today is you are going to help me preach this message. Okay. Not you specifically. <laughs> I didn't even breathe when I looked at her. You all are going to help me uh, teach this message. I can get someone just to turn these, these lights up for just a little bit so I can have a little more room on the whiteboard. And what I wanted to do today is actually do something real practical. So there's a part in the message where I'm going to need you to help me preach. I'm going to need you to help me write some things on the board. So I decided that since uh, I just left school, why don't I jump into professor mode today? And let's teach a little bit. Let's teach a little bit from the scriptures about what we're talking about, making room. So the series, Making Room, is about preparing a place that feels like home. Can I just make, ask you a question? Do people feel at home with you? Don't answer out loud. <laughs> but think about that. When someone's around you, do they feel at home? Do they feel like they belong to you? Now, all of us have different styles. Of, not, not all of us are affectionate people or whatever, but we're talking about making a place that feels like home. Now, here's another question. Does Jesus... Do you make him feel like home in your life? Think about that. Is he welcome? You know, when I grew up, grandma had a couch. This is this is maybe too cultural, but <laughs> grandma had a couch and it was covered with plastic. Anybody have a grandma like that? <laughs> she, she had she had furniture in the living room. You didn't sit in that living room furniture, right? You sat on the raggedy couch right. in here. Because she didn't want her furniture to get tore up. I praise God for Grandma. I completely understand. I'm thinking about bringing that business back myself. <laughs> it's plastic, everything. But there were, but there were sometimes when people came over, right? And they were special, and it, and it felt you did special things. Mm -hmm. Your grandma had special pies and cakes just for company, right? Anybody right. grew up like that? We got company coming over. Anybody ever remember those days? Yeah. We had company coming over. It was a big deal. Do we treat Jesus like that? Is there places we say, Jesus, you can, you can stay right here in the living room of my life, but you can't go into the bedroom. I'm going to just lock that door, Jesus. I don't want you to go in there. Now, I'm talking about maturity in God. We're talking about a relationship. And, and I love that Jesus does not kick down the door, right? He's not, he's not all up in our business. He's not looking in the window like we're smoking, you know, like from Friday. <laughs> looking in Devo's window. But... Anyway, um, with the Friday references, they come out a lot. Do you make, is, do you feel like home? Does Jesus feel like home in you? Do you make others feel like home? So what we've been talking about, especially in the context of our small groups, is making a place that feel like, like, like feels like home. And here's the key word that we've been teaching, is the word belong. The word belong. We've been kind of breaking this definition down. I'll break it down again. Uh, there's a couple meanings for belong. One is that work together to be related to. You see that on the screen. <clears throat> the opposite of feeling. I'd rather be somewhere else. Think about that. Think about that feeling. Where did you feel that this week? You know what? I'd rather be somewhere else right now. There is a possibility that you don't feel a sense of belonging. You might even feel that way right now. I honestly rather be somewhere else right now. Just being honest. 
And that's okay. It's too late. You're already here. <laughs> so that's good. Something drove you here. You didn't maybe want to get here. You were probably tired. You probably got tons of things to do. But something made you feel like you belong. A part of belonging feels like, I'd rather be here. I don't want to be anywhere else but here. The second part of belonging, I love that. Uh, I love this. Is that it means to be an owner. To act as creator or co-owner of the community. All right? There's a point in, uh, especially for children, you're, they were growing, they grow up, and when you grew up in your household, that your parents or whoever raised you wanted you to understand that you were a part and co-owner of this community. Mm-hmm. There was a shift at some point that made you understand, no, you can't just leave your dishes anywhere. No, you just can't leave the house a mess because you live here and you also belong to the household and it's time for you to contribute to the household. When you belong to a family such as this church, you know what you're concerned about? How it feels, how it looks, right? Companies coming over, making sure that you are an owner about it. No one has to ask you to lift your hands. No one has to ask you to stand. No one has to ask you to serve because you're saying, this is my house, and as long as I am here, I am going to make sure that the pastor doesn't have to do everything. Come on, say amen. Amen. That's not your fault. That's my fault because I need to make sure that you understand that you belong here. There's no criteria. We're not asking you to run through a checklist. We're simply saying, if you feel that you belong here, make someone else feel that they belong here. Does that make sense? So it's a part of, it's practical. It goes into your relationships, your romantic relationships, your parental relationships, your, your relationships at work. Are you contributing? Are you going to your job and just punching the clock and punching out? Or are you invested in what the company's vision is? If you are not, then you do not have a sense of belonging and you probably should quit. I'm just being honest with you. If you're not wanting to be there, perhaps there's a business inside of you. Perhaps there's another place that would be more fulfilling to your own call. If you just feel like i got to show up and check out, I'm not interested in this, that doesn't mean you're our owner. You are just a worker. And sometimes it's okay to be a worker. But it's not okay to just be a worker. You got to belong to something. You got to be a part of something bigger than yourself. That's the way you're designed to. You've got to be a part of something that gives you meaning, that gives you strength, it gives you fulfillment. And a part of that is belonging to a family called the church. And so we've been breaking this down. Um, I have a phrase uh, that I've been sharing a bunch of different times about what it means to make room. And basically what we're saying is that we want to make room for the things that are important to God in our lives. Make, we want God wants to make room in our lives for what's important to him. There are things that are important to you in your life, right? You're like, this is important to me, but not so important to God. And God's like, I've got some things that are important to me. I want them to be in your life. So I need you to make room. When you have someone new joining your family or someone coming over, what do you got to do? You got to make room. Got to make some pallets, right? Got to wash some towels. Got to lay the towels out. For those who are hospitable, got to make room for the guests that God are bringing into your heart. And so those are the things that are important to God. So I want to teach a little bit today because I found a scripture that really illustrates 
what this process is. I've been kind of talking about it uh, theologically and theoretically, but I want to show you practically what we are talking about. So you're going to need to follow along either on the screen or on your phone. Or if you're a note taker, this is, this is the time you want to take some notes because this will help you um, as you go on throughout the week. So we're looking at 1 John chapter 4. I want you to look that up. And we have the NLT, of course, 1 John chapter 4. Now, while you're looking that up, what we've been looking at is the early church, the church that's found in, in the book of Acts chapter 2. We've been looking at some of the characteristics of that. If you remember, uh, this was a group of people who were first disappointed because Jesus, they thought Jesus was dead. Jesus came back to life and he showed himself and he told them he, to his disciples, hey, I need you to wait for me. Because I'm going to bring the promise of the Spirit to you. They went into the room. They were waiting. The Spirit poured out onto them. And we, we talked about last week how Peter preached this wonderful sermon. And people responded to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's a process, a big process I want to show you. And then again, you're going to help me preach. And then we're going to finish. It's going to be good. So I want to go to John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. John, 1 John, excuse me, chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. Here's what it says. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from who? Can't make sure you read. Love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For, everybody's probably heard this before, maybe you haven't. God is love. Let me stop parenthetically. Let me just make sure you understand that. What, what the writer is trying to describe is that the substance of God, who God is made of, is actually love. He's made of love. It's not just a behavior from him. It's not just a characteristic. It's like what he's made of. God is full of love. He is the perfect demonstration of it. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Somebody say, Mary J. Blige. That's what this is. When you see that text, real love, right? She was searching for this text. Mary J. was looking for this. Mary J., we're talking about this right here. This is real love. Not that we loved God, so not that the direction was going this way, but that he loved us. So the direction has always been in our favor. The direction of love has always been from him to us, not so much us from him. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to do what? Take away our sins. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to read this through and going to break it down. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, right? We surely ought to love him. Is that what it says? No. That's interesting. So God's direction is this way. And since we've received that much love, you would think naturally, well, he wants us to love him back as much, right? It's like a string is attached. Love me as much as, no, he said, actually, because you've been loved that much, you now are equipped and have the ability to love other people. Now, here's, here's the hard part about that. These are people that sometimes don't love God. And these are people who sometimes are not receiving the love that's coming to you. So this is actually a lot harder than it says. 
Where are we at? No one, verse 12, no one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. Ooh. So that's saying that if you've never seen God before, it's possible to see him through people who love like him. And his love is brought to full expression in us. That means we have the ability to fully express God's love in you. Wow, that sounds good. And God has given his spirit, I like this, as proof that we live in him. We're going to talk about that for sure. And he in us. So we have proof. How do we know God's living in us like that? The spirit. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who confess, if you can highlight, highlight this text, verse 14, 15, excuse me. All who confess that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them. And they live in God. Whoa. All who confess, here's some more proof, that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them. And they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God. You see that? He's repeating himself over and over again. And God lives in them. As, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. That means there's room to grow in your love. You may feel like, you know what? I'm not a good lover right now. That's okay. You're going to grow in love. You're going to become a better lover if you just hang on here. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. If you go to church because you're afraid to go to hell, you're not experiencing love. If somebody told you that you have to do this to be afraid of going to hell and receiving the judgment, that's not the kind of love God wants you to experience. Let's keep reading. But we face him, look at this, we face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. Some of y'all saying, not me, Pastor. <laughs> no, 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 no. They ain't talking about me. No, you're not talking about, I'm not living like Jesus in the world. Pastor, I'm going to be honest with you. I am terrified of the judgment. We're going to help you today. Such love, look at this, the kind of love we're talking about here has no fear. No fear. Look at Fox News and just laugh. Y'all just telling jokes. I ain't afraid of that. <laughs> we, if we are afraid it is for fear of punishment and this shows that we have not experienced his full love if we're afraid that means we haven't experienced his full love we love each other because he first loved us if someone says uh, oh I think I've, I may have skipped over one verse let's skip over earth 18 no, you might have heard it in a different version. I wanted to say it in that version. Some of you might have heard in verse 18, perfect love, cast out all fear. Does that ring the bell? Okay, I just want to make sure I said that uh, for some of you to recognize that. I'll skip to verse 20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister. Look at this verse. If someone says, I love God, they're talking about this kind of relationship, but they hate Joe Brown behind if someone says, I love God, but I hate you because you're a woman. If someone says, I love God, but I hate your sexual orientation. Okay, that's a problem. Because 
What does it say? If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we do not love people, we can see. We can see. How can we love God who we can't see? That's why people create images of their own for God so that they can love a God and still hate other people. It doesn't make sense. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. And I want you to know that Christian here is not a title for a denomination. It doesn't mean you're only supposed to love people who are baptized. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about who Christ died for, who Christ believed for. Okay, here are my markers. All right, so let's break this down a little bit, all right? Let's go back um, to, let's go back here to verse 9. So what does it say? God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world. So let's draw this, right? So let's, we got the world here. And the world is not just, not just physical, right? Not just the physical cosmos, but it is also a concept, right? The way the world thinks, humanity, how we operate as fallen, sinful people. Now we understand that God enters the world, right? And what's in the world? Sins in the world. Sin was also in heaven, the Bible teaches us, right? Because Lucifer fell, and Lucifer was cast and took his sin with him here to the earth. And now we experienced it in our human flesh. So we have a sinful world, and we've got some people in here. Uh-oh, we got me and you in here, right? Some ladies in there. We got a bunch of brothers in here. We got, we got some people in here in this world of sin. Mm -hmm. So God says, all right, I need to do something about this. What am I going to do? So the father, he says, I'm going to send the son. Son, I need you to run up in here and watch this. I want you to enter into the world. We just write son. Y'all know it's Jesus, but we'll put maybe Jesus here. Jesus. Oops, sorry. Okay. Y'all see that okay? Mm -hmm. Jesus, the son. All right, that's, just, that's who he is. He says, I'm sending you into the earth. Right. Not only is he the father's access to the earth, but this is our access to the father. Mm -hmm. Right? So he sends Jesus into the earth. And here's the thing. Jesus is not here in a bubble. Right? right. He's not floating around the earth untouched by our sin. He's like, no, I'm coming to the earth and I don't want a bubble. Right? I want to be like them. He got a little crown on his head. And I'm going to be here in the earth with them. That's what verse... A nine says, right? So he showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world, right? We got this. So this is real world. This is real love because the, the love direction is flowing this way. We good? Right. Okay. So here's what happens. Jesus comes into earth. He goes to the cross, right? He dies on the cross. He comes out the tomb. 
That's pretty good tune, huh? He comes out the tomb, right? And he's alive as king. So, what he does is, now what he does is he get, he puts the power of sin and death. He pretty much locks up sin and death, right, with some chains. It's working out pretty good. And he has, he takes with him, I'll put him up here. I don't know if I can draw a key. How about this? No, I don't look like something else. All right. Just imagine, this is a key. I'm not a good drawer. So, all right, you got a key, you got a lock, key. There you go. Here's your key. So he says, I got the keys. See that right here? See in his hand? Mm -hmm. Now he says, because I have come and died, right? I've conquered death and sin. I got the keys to death and sin. I got it locked up. He said, I'm taking it with me. All right, so we're good, right? We're good. We're doing good. You guys are doing so good. All right, now, here's what happens, though. Here's what changes it up, because the disciples were like, oh, that's cool. So, Jesus, why don't you just stay here and reign with us? Jesus is like, no, actually, I'm out. Where are you going? I'm going back to the Father, right? I'm going to sit on the throne. Is that kind of a throne? All right, I'm sitting here. Got a little... Crown, I'm going here to sit on the right hand of the Father. Here's what I'm getting ready to do. I'm getting ready to check the accounts. He's got a little Mac computer up here, right? And he's going through the records. Now, here's what he's doing. Here's what judgment is. Can I help you out here? Judgment is not for God to find out who's guilty. That's really easy to do. Because guess what? Everybody's guilty. You don't got to figure that out. Everybody's guilty. Easy. Charges, close case book. That's not what he does. His judgment is who needs the key unlocked? Who, who's still bound by death and sin? So I'm going to, here's a good old Adventist theology word. The investigative judgment is I'm going to investigate and find out who's still bound so that I can save them. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is not only just king, he's king right here. He's also, what is he? He's savior, which means he's the one who unlocks us and gets our court cases clear. That's the requirement to just simply believe that Jesus was sent from the Father into the earth, in the mess, not in a bubble, as a person, died, rose again, is back in heaven at the right hand of the Father, finishing the judgment so that when he returns again for the second time, he's saying, all right, everybody who wants to be clean, everybody who wants to be righteous, they're done. And eventually all of us go back to heaven. So let's stop to where we are. While Jesus is working on the judgment, here's the good news. Judgment is not our job. Right. Yeah. Right? That's why he's saying, don't be afraid of the judgment. Why would we be afraid of the judgment if the person who's the judge is the king and making all the decisions? And if we just say, Lord, we need you, and he's like, Cool, I got you. And he takes the king and the keys and unlocks us, and we believe that that we actually have freedom. So the decision to say you are both king and savior 
means that he's in charge mm -hmm. and it acknowledges the fact that I need to be saved. Right. Right. That's all it is. Right. Do you acknowledge, all right, I'm messed up? Because some people would say, come before the judge and be like, I'm not guilty. Like, man, we got you on tape. Like, we got your DNA. Like, stop it. You're guilty. All right? You, we can't go to God and be like, I ain't guilty. Like, yes, you are. Like, what are you talking about? I went to church, man. What are you talking about? I'm, I've never done any of that. Yes, you have. You're guilty, fool. All right. So let's just, let's just accept Jesus, right? And let's start working on that. Let's work out your salvation. So to acknowledge that Jesus is Savior, you know what that does? That instantly demands that we make room. Yeah. Because when we say, all right, Jesus, you're in charge. He says, great. I have the keys to sin and death. Right? When we have diagram, sin, death. I got the keys to that. Here's the problem. You got some people and some stuff in your house that keeps getting you locked up. You got some thoughts and some patterns and behaviors running around loose in your house and in your mind that keep getting you locked up. So every time I unlock one chain, you say, thank you, Jesus, and you run back and somebody else locks you up. And so over and over again, we have to go through this cycle. What I need is permission from you to be in charge and start removing stuff. Yeah. Praise God. And removing people. Yeah. And say, all right, I'm done. I'm done with that. What I need you to do is I need you to move this. I need you to unsubscribe. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> so, sometimes we're paying for this. Like, I'm paying for HBO. Like, HBO's like, cool, you're going to pay me to put you in prison? Cool, pay me. <laughs> pay me every week. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's, let's get to where I need you to help me. So here's the deal. Jesus is Savior and King. I'm going to put this up real big. He's Savior. He shows and demonstrates God's love by coming into our mess. Y'all got this, right? Mm -hmm. That's how he's demonstrating that. So when he says, I'm going back to heaven, right, to finish this work, he says, now I'm going to give you the play option. And now you, he says, you show love, not to me, but to other people in the earth. So essentially, where did that text go? We are, was it no or nine? <clears throat> Y'all supposed to be helping me now, right? What happened to you? Um, no, no. Where y'all at here? Okay. Yeah, let's go. Let's look at. Let's look at. Uh, yeah, I think let's let's try eleven. Let's just use eleven. So, so it says there in eleven, God loved us that much, so we ought to love each other, right? So we've no one's ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and His love is brought is brought to full expression in us. So, in other words, He says, "All right, you guys, my church." I need you to go on the earth and show full expression. But this is what he does. He doesn't leave us by ourselves. He says the proof and the evidence of this, that you have me, you know what he calls that? What he said? You got the spirit. Right? So now the spirit's in the earth with us, flowing through us, 
And so the spirit is the evidence that we are following this system, that we are being sent. So in other words, what God is saying is, I need you to do the same thing I did with Jesus. I'm going to send you into the mess, and I want you, what verse was that? I want you to love like Jesus. Was that uh, verse 17? And as, as we live in our God, our love grows more perfect, right? So we will not be afraid of the day of judgment. Why would we be afraid? Because he's the one who sent us. Are we going to sin? Yes, we are. But you know what happens when we sin? Guess what? We have a Savior. Right? We have Jesus on our team that says, look, this is not just about the moment you sin. This is about a system, a pathology that is in you that needs to be broken. You are constantly going to sin if I don't break the pattern. Right? You are going to continue to leak oil until we fix the gasket. Like, that's the, that's the problem. We got to do some hard work. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's what I want you to help me with. And then we're going to wrap up. Just take a few minutes. So here, it says in verse 9, 19, 18, so, so love has no fear. So what God wants us to do is love fearlessly. Can y'all see that? It's mm-hmm. not even a word, is it? Fear, love fearlessly? I guess it is. He wants us to love without fear. So he says, if we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced the perfect love of God. We love each other because God has first loved us. So here's where the making room comes in. Please, I'll leave that there. I'm going to put this up here. Fear. Fear of the blank. Here's here's what I need you to help me with. What is preventing people from experiencing the relationships and the people that God are sending into their lives, your life, people's life? What's preventing them and keeping the door shut. What are they afraid of? I thought of two, and I want you to think of some and tell me. Okay? They're afraid of being alone. See, a lot of people have a lot of people around them, but they're alone. Mm -hmm. You know why they're alone? Because they don't belong anywhere. Or they don't feel like they belong. And a lot of people make really bad decisions because they don't know or want to be alone. They either feel isolated. It is different, can I say it this way? There's a difference between being alone and being lonely. That's different. But a lot of times this leads to that. People looking for community. People looking for love. Right? That's what they're looking for. They're looking for the God example of love. They're looking for that. Not the abuse, not the 2 a.m. in the morning when we text you when they come over, look. Not that. Not the, not the let me like you on Facebook. How many likes can you get? Love. Not that real love. Mm-hmm. The kind of God sent love. They're afraid of being lonely. Um, I think a lot of people are afraid. I, I used to think, think of it as people are afraid of judgment. But you know what I think it is? I'm going to put this up. I think people are afraid of injustice. 
How, how mad does it make you feel when you see political figures getting away with stuff? Right? Like, that, that makes me mad. It makes me feel like, why, where is the justice going to come? And I'm afraid that there's not going to be justice for me. I'm afraid I am going to be the one suffering and not receiving justice. I'm afraid of injustice. Okay, it's your turn to preach. If somebody had love knocking on their door, why? What's keeping the door shut? Why? Why don't people want to make room? Give me some. Give me some stuff. We're gonna write it down. It's your turn to preach. What are people afraid of? Talk to me. Shout it out, real loud. Somebody be so bold. Be bold. Rejection. I got judgment already. Rejection. Know anybody like that? What else? Disappointment. Disappointment. What are they afraid to be disappointed about? Their plans that they had, their goals and dreams, being hurt. What else? Unmet expectations, unmet needs. Can I put that? Okay. So they're afraid that someone's going to come in and say, yeah, I'm going to love you, but then not show up. Yeah, I'm, I'm the one, but then hurt you. Yeah, I'm the one, but then disappoint you. Yeah, I'm the one, but then reject you. What, anybody else? Help me preach this today. No pressure. I'm not going to make you preach next week, I promise. Anybody else? Failure. Failure. Last work relationship didn't work out. Why would this one? Last church talked about me. Why would this? Why wouldn't this one? Last last time I tried this, it didn't work. They're afraid to fail. You talking? I hear the word self confidence coming up. Worth, right? I'm not worthy of this. Anybody else? This is a good list. One more, maybe. What about presentation? They're afraid of how they how to present. Afraid of how how to be an example. How they're being perceived? Yeah. yeah. So they're yeah. they're afraid. Okay, so they're afraid of of well, I guess perception. I would say. They may be afraid to be known, right? Uh, perhaps if they see themselves in a negative way, right? People, they don't want people to know their issues. They don't want people to know what they're struggling with. They don't want people to know uh, where they're hurting. So here's, here's what we're saying. If I could put up this other slide. Say, God wants to make room for the things that are important to him. Because all of these things become so important to us. Mm -hmm. And there are good reasons. But here's what we got to understand. If God can come into the world and change the world, mm -hmm. the same God has the power to come into your world right. and change your world. Yeah. Yeah. And the same God has the power that has the power to come into your world and change your world has the same power to have you 
come into someone else's world and change their world. So living like Jesus is just living from the perspective of how can I be the best lover to you? Not talking about romantic and sexual. I'm talking about how can I show you love? How can I let you know that you belong and this doesn't belong? You can trust me. You can feel at home with me. And so here, as I finish this, this up, and I appreciate your answers. Give yourselves a hand for this. This is really good. says verse 18 that this kind of love it has no fear in it because perfect love expels all fear. When we are afraid it is for fear of punishment and this shows that we have not experienced his perfect love. So there is a love that we need to experience that is perfect. And can I tell you, it's perfect, but it's not always comfortable. Because what God does is he starts knocking on the door. And you know what he's looking for? His rejection home. You say, Jesus, I need you to come into my life. I need you to be my savior. I need you to walk with me. He says, you say, great. Okay, he says, all right, cool. Thanks for letting me in the living room. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me in. I, I really am glad you let me in. Um, I need to go back here, and I need to find out if rejection is home. He's knocking on the door. What does he say in Revelation? Behold, I stand at the door, and not anybody lets me in. Guess what? I'm coming in, and I'm going to fellowship with you. Right. He comes in. He says, can you open the door? He comes in, there's a room. I see there's a room back there. What's in that room? Well, I've been hiding some rejection in there. Oh, I, I have you. Give me a second. <whistles> Calls the boys. Kicks the door open, right? Here comes the movie company, right? They open the door. But you're like, wait, 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 wait. But, but wait, those feelings. No, I got that. Come on, we got you. And he begins clearing the room. Right. And we rejoice. Like, yes, I'm over that. I'm over you, right? I'm over you. I'm moving on. He's like, oh, I was just wondering. I see another room back in there. What's in that room? I got some disappointment in there. Oh, you do? Yeah, I, I, I really don't think you can handle that, Jesus. Well, didn't you say I was your Savior? Didn't you say I could handle that? You're right. And so God begins to come in. And begins to do look, it doesn't happen overnight, but it begins to come in one by one and begins to show his love. And you know what happens? We make room. So when we make room, we got an extra room open. We just went from a 20-bedroom apartment or a house, <laughs> right? That's full of junk. Now we got an extra room. And you know what God says? If you leave this room open, you know what's going to happen? Failure's going to say, you know what? It's a little tight up in this room. I need to expand a little bit. I see an empty room in there. Failure, can, let's, let's move in there. Let's, let's broaden our horizon. God says, you can't, you can't leave it open. You know what you got to do? You got to replace it with 
family. And God says, I got some people at this church over here. They have a good service. Preacher's all right. But what I'm really interested in is there's a person in your small group that's going to help you work through this. There's a person in that church that is going to love you through the most difficult season of your life. And so we got to make room. Does it make sense? Got to be willing to say, all right, I hear you knocking at the door. I hear you coming after me. And I'll be honest with you, I've got some fear in my life. God says, perfect love. When perfect love shows up, all of these things get nervous. And that's why you feel it that. That's why it comes to you. That's why you're like, hey, I'm trying to do the right thing. And all this stuff is coming up. That's exactly what's supposed to happen. Because the light is showing you what's in there. Not to shame you. Not to cause judgment. But to cause celebration. To just show you how much God's going to deliver you from. To show you how much power he has to completely restore and set you free. And so it's time to make some room. I want to close today. Um, because I, in a way, and I want to, I just want to really pray for you. We talk about next steps every week, and there's cards on your, on the um, chairs for you to, to make a next step. Maybe for you, that next step is for you to join Growth Track to kind of find out what's going on in there. Maybe you need to join a small group. Maybe you need to be baptized. Whatever your decision is, you can make that next step. You can fill out that card. You can drop it in the offering basket when it comes. But here's what I want you to do. First of all, what I want you to do this week is think about this. I want you to do an examination. And I'm not preaching next week, so you got two weeks to think about this. I, I want you to do an exam, uh, examination in your heart. Here's what I want you to ask yourself. What am I afraid of? Where does fear got me? Where am I sensitive? Where Where has fear got me? And what is God trying to send me to replace that fear? Because it's going to come through a person. And here's, here's the good news about it. You don't have to be perfect, but if you, you can love perfectly, and there are people in your life that God is waiting. You say, I can't wait to send them. Oh, I can't wait till they show up and tell them what they went through last year. When you tell them what we got through last year, I'm telling you, it's going to change their life. When we get through all of this stuff and start getting rid of the fear of failure and failure perception, all that, when we cleanse that out, I'm telling you, your story is a bestseller. Your story is going to win an Oscar. Your story is going to change someone's life on how you came and you worked it out. And that's what God wants to do with us. We've got to identify this stuff right here. Are you afraid of being brilliant? Are you afraid of being righteous? Like, are you one of those people like, you really don't want to do bad stuff, but you're just kind of trying to fit in. And God's like, that's not you. I didn't build you like that. You don't even dance right. You drink, order the wrong drinks. Like, you just look stupid. This is not you. This is this is not your life. You are righteous. You are set aside. You are a holy nation. Like, that's never going to fit you. I've called you. And some of us are like, hey, you know, I'm just going to come and I'm just going to sit. And I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to watch. God's like, look, you know you're bored. You didn't come here for this. You, you know how to get fed. What you need to do is make this place feel like home. Make some cookies and bring them. Bring some hot chocolate for somebody. Open the door. I need you to make this place feel like home. So let me pray for you today. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Thank you for helping me. 
today. I hope, I hope you were a part of this. Maybe if you didn't say anything, but a part of it in your heart and begin to write up your own list in your own mind. Ask to, to examine what you're afraid of. Father, we pray today right now that we will begin to move towards freedom, to move towards maturity in you, that we would have the courage to open up our hearts and be loved like Jesus, that you would help us allow the loving relationships that you put inside of our world to help us through. And I pray today that you would bring new awareness, new light, new energy, that people, we would be able to wrestle with this. What are we afraid of? What's holding us back? What has us bound? And Lord, may we make the decision today to say, God, you are big enough and you desire for us to live freely. You sent Jesus into the world to bring us freedom. And so, Lord, that's your desire for us. And we're grateful, Lord, for the move of the God, move of God and the presence of the Spirit to help us know that you are with us and you never left us. And we're going to rejoice. We're going to celebrate. Because even now, Lord, people, we're getting free. Even now, we're feeling better. Even now, we're rejoicing internally because you are doing the work in us. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, if we feel like it, why don't we just celebrate the fact that God is working on the